Coming up on this edition of the Golf Digest podcast, we discuss Matt Kuchar's latest win and talk to one of the most sneaky, recognizable voices in golf, John Swanson. My God, my swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. Why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! What is this, custom? Mine's off the rack. I wish Tiger Woods was here to help me with this. We'll do it live! Welcome back to the Golf Digest podcast. I'm Alex Myers. Today I'm joined by Sam Wyman and Hallie Ledbetter. Guys, let's start in Hawaii. Matt Kuchar all of a sudden is a juggernaut again on the PGA Tour. Actually, this might be the first time he's a real juggernaut. I mean, he's not just making big checks. He's winning tournaments. He's closing tournaments. Uh, He wins for the second time in three starts at the Sony Open, pulling away from not the greatest leaderboard but uh you know a win's a win sam what, what did you think about his performance on sunday well really strong especially since he you know lost the lead is that is that bothering you right there it's, <laughs> these m right in front of you so um don't let that distract you um uh, you know it's funny it's like you know he's won two of his last three starts and all wins are in the same season but it's like it, it it's hard to say it's the same season when the earlier true, win was true. was was in the, the fall part of it but Certainly has turned a corner for a guy who had gone a long way without winning. Um, he has now north of 40, which sort of brings with it his own symbolic um, reckoning. And so, yeah, obviously feeling confident and lost the lead and got it back on Sunday and held on to win. So, you know, it's proof that he's having a great resurgence right now. Well, 40 is the new 20. That's what he said. That's 40. what He said that's what Jay-Z said, which, right. Hallie, that's incorrect, right? No, Jay-Z, yeah. Jay Z did not say forty. Jay Z did not say it. Forty is in fact the new thirty. Okay. But you know what, Hucher, he can he can say sure. that. That's fine. Yeah. He. I mean, look for forty years old. First of all, I'm surprised Matt. Co- I mean, that's crazy. Matt Hucher's forty years old. I guess he's been around. Well, forever. if he takes his hat off, you're surprised. He's not <laughs> that's um. a good point. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, he, he's certainly a resurgence. Uh, you know, he was he ended one of those long droughts in the fall, along with Lee Westwood, guys who hadn't won in over four years, which you kind of were kind of surprised by that as well. And, you know, it's one of those you don't know when you're going to win again. And now all of a sudden we're, we're talking about him. Is this going to be the year? Maybe he finally wins a major or sure. something. I mean, he's he's obviously got two wins already. And this is all belt. coming off after being left off the Ryder Cup team, which was not yep. a, which was not a big surprise. But like at one point in the run up to the Ryder Cup, he was a guy that you had to at least consider. Oh yeah, and was left off, and and but now has won twice since. So he's you know he's and, probably gonna work his way back to one of those teams. Well, yeah, and of course, and once the U.S. lost the Ryder Cup, he was one of the guys that people said, "Oh, he, Matt Kuchar should have been sure. on the team." Which people, he's not he's not a long hitter. He's also not a straight hitter off the tee. So mm-hmm. that would have been not a great combination either. Uh, Hallie, what uh, you know, Matt Kuchar, he's kind of. You know, he's kind of got this goofy dad vibe going. I love it. The, the rap thing almost fit perfectly. What, uh, it really what did, did you see there? Yeah, I know. I liked when he when he hits his shots and he goes, oh, golly, or whatever <laughs> yeah. he says. I love it. It's just so G-rated yeah. and so, just so, so Matt Kuchar. I thought, I thought for, I mean, he didn't get off to a great start no. yesterday. No, we did not. Yeah, so, and in, in the past, when, he, when that happens, you know, you don't necessarily think of Matt Kuchar as the guy who, grinds through it and, and and pushes to a victory but you're right he did have a couple early bogeys he fell behind uh andrew putnam there for for a bit again though it probably helped that the the leaderboard i know there were some big names that kind of crept into the top 10 but there wasn't really anybody 
I guess Mark Leishman at one point was a couple shots yeah, within the they league. Were, they, were, they were separated pretty deep. Yeah. So. You know what I was going to say is what would be interesting to consider is whether he goes on to win that tournament if he hadn't won earlier this mm-hmm. season. Because, you know, you haven't won in a while. You have all this self-doubt. Um, right, right. And then now you lose a lead that you had. Right. It's like, oh, I just don't have what it takes. But now he's got recent history to draw on. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I like yeah. to talk about the mental game. No, you know? I think that's a good point. I'm sorry, I got distracted still by your your M and M. It's unbelievable. Hallie, can I order you some M and M? Oh, I'm okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm showing you. so much guts. I'm going the whole January without dessert, which for me is amazing because I have dessert at least two or three times a day. <laughs> and now, <laughs> now our building is putting M and M's out in front of my face on a daily basis. It's uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's an crazy. institutional conspiracy. And talk you. about guts, Hallie. Is doing the whole, not the whole thirty, the whole sixty. Whole sixty. And you're and you're what a week in? I am almost good? almost two weeks in. Yeah, wow. feeling good, feeling good, a lot of energy. Um, feel really hydrated yeah. because when you're out, you know, you can't drink. So yeah. I just drink like club soda. Just go, yeah, just, just club it. soda. Yeah. I was thinking about the whole thirty. It was too much for me, but you're you're an inspiration. Maybe. Oh. Maybe so not you don't want any M and M's either. Yeah. No, I'm good. Thank <laughs> you. That unfortunately is not not on there. But you might not usually eat them all the time like I do. So it's, it's even tougher for me to see this kind of stuff. Right, I feel right. like you're a healthy eater than Relatively I am Relatively healthy, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. We do have to talk about the so-called elephant in the room. That is the, 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 story, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> the story that did involve Matt Kuchar. And to be clear, we have no uh, confirmation that this is the case or anything like that. It was a rumor started by a fellow PGA Tour pro uh, but it, it has, you know, enough people are talking about it where we have to at least mention it, uh, about a caddy not getting paid perhaps what he should have been paid for a victory in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, now it was an unusual situation. It was a local caddy at a club at where the Mayacoba is played. Um, anyway, it's it's. Kind of sprouted. We weren't. We're not going to talk too much about what happened because we don't know what happened. But we will talk about what should happen in that sure. case. So, okay. say, so, so, going on the normal premise, a normal well, PJ okay. Tour pro on a win usually gets about ten percent of a right. winning. My check. caddy who's with me all right. year. I right. win a tour event. You know, you don't get ten percent of your monthly or your of a normal no, week. No, just a I'd win. Say, right, but a right. win you get ten percent. Right. Now this is an interesting. Case again, we don't know if it's true, right? But the scenario that's been laid out is player X um, plays the <laughs> plays the event with a local caddy. We met that week, and he pays him three thousand dollars, right? Which is well below ten percent. Ten percent because would have been he won one point three million dollars, right? Correct. So then the question is, well, first of all, should the guy get ten percent, which would be way more? Uh, and if it's not ten percent, what should he get since? the argument can be made that a caddy being paid 10% is in part a reward for, you know, being with this guy year long, all the risk you take on by travel expenses and all those things. This is sort of your windfall for, for taking that on over the course of the year. Right. Although, and let me just step in here. One other thing though, as someone, a couple people have pointed out to me, a lot of caddies, the, what they get paid does not include the expenses. They all they get their expenses paid on top of that. Right. So, right. so again, it, dep- change, it, right? Right. Yeah. it depends on the deal that people have with their players. How you, is is ten yeah. percent just like the over, like the general 
what we think is normally the for case win. for Just PGA for, Tour. For a win. Okay, for a win. but are there any players that we know of that give their players less than 10% for a win or more than 10% for there a could win? Be. There could be. But 10% is just the number. Just Temp- just- it, it, the general rule of thumb is this kind of sliding scale. I think it's 5% making the cut. I think it's like 7% for top 10, and I think it's 10% for a win. Again, that's not – it's not a rule – it's not mandated anywhere. It's not across the board, but that's kind of right. the, the and there's general. Now a lot guideline. of guys have some sort of base to cover their yes, expenses. Yes, and there's right, there, and guys, there's certain guys who get a thousand dollars a week plus that, or you mm-hmm. know, or they get their rooms paid for, or the you know, so different guys have different deals. And I mean, and you, you know, a lot of tour pros, Hallie. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, when it when when you're starting out, obviously the deals are a lot different than on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Also, but have, I wonder in your travels, have you heard of any caddies upset with compensation, anything like that? Um, no. I'm trying to think. Most of the time, when when I had caddies and I was just playing like mini tour stuff or mm-hmm. like amateur things, it was pretty much like a flat fee because obviously flat fee, right. you're not as an amateur, you're not winning anything. Right. And as a professional golfer and a women's mini tour right. you're winning basically not much yeah exactly right. so um i think it was more so like regardless if you win or not it was very much like here's a you know like 200 bucks around or something right. like that right. um so you're never really dealing with these like sort of sure multi-thousand dollar but th- that's things. fine and and i and that is what happened here i think there clearly was i don't think well, I don't want to even say his name. I don't think that player A, you know, won the tournament and just sprung some surprise figure on the caddy. It Obviously, wasn't like, here's 3K. Right. Yeah. Obviously, they had an agreement, which, like you said, that happens. And on some level, I understand if that's the agreement, that's the agreement. But I would think that even on a women's mini tour, if you won the tournament, you might give a little extra to the person who helped you. Yeah. Right? No, I that's mean, fair. right that's like really a little. Fair. And yeah. so in this case the stakes just get so much higher um, on the PJ Tour when we're talking millions of dollars, 1.3 million to the winner, and in this case we are talking about one of the richest golfers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where it's kind of like geez, like, you know. Yeah. And all this discussion on Twitter is like Randall Shambly. Randall Shambly, yep. The reason tour caddies are paid as much as they are is to offset travel expenses and the sacrifice of a lifetime on the road away from family and friends. Yeah. So I mean, again, I see that point, but I, I do think that they are kind of compensated for that mostly. And, and I do I do see Brandel's point that, and like you said, this isn't his week-to-week caddy. This guy isn't going with him all the time. So he's not going to get as much. Sure. I, I don't think any of us think – he should get 10% no. for filling in for a caddy. But even if he was to give him 10%, like, come on. It's like yeah. that would have really – I mean, that guy's oh, life. Oh, God. I mean, it, I don't think it would have – yeah. Again, you know what you I know. would say, though, is that um, far be it for me to excuse underpaying someone because that's the worst thing you can do, sure. uh, Or you know, especially since you're obviously these are exorbitantly wealthy players. But people seem to project what guys should do with their money right. and like and with their time on right. professional athletes all the time. And you know, most of the time, people know one percent of the story. Yeah. About you know how you should spend your money, how you should spend your time, who you should tip. It, it you know it's just like I, there's there's just a lot of considerations that we probably aren't even aware. Sure. Of. So anyway, it's no. just it's just. 
it's complicated. It's not a flattering story though, and it's right. you know it's ugly. And it's a great discussion point. Yeah, you know, it's also. I mean, you and I talk about it all the time, like what role a caddy plays, because yeah. you can make the argument, and this is, it really depends, because obviously there are plenty of tour players, and there's plenty of instances where caddy X makes a difference and or in route to your win, right? So you, you, um, the difference between you finishing 50th and finishing first is that you did a better job, but also your caddy did a better job. But there's also an argument to be made that the difference between uh, you finishing 50th and you winning is you played better. The right. caddy did nothing else different. So right. why should the caddy be compensated because of the fact that you made more putts? Yeah, I, I know. And, it, hey, no, I, I I know. I sometimes say that caddies get maybe too much, or at least at least on our level when we pay. I don't know. It seems like they, they make pretty good money in my my estimation. But, but I don't think you can – obviously you can't change from week to week. You can't evaluate a caddy's performance on that given week. That's why you do have to kind of have – you know something structured. Well, that's head, my point, though, is yeah. that you shouldn't evaluate them week to week. Which oh is, no, no, you right. shouldn't. Yeah. So, as my point is, like, you shouldn't but, reward no, no, them because no. you played well. Right, but I'm saying, but back to this case again, being a as a sub in. Yeah, I get it. You know, I you're totally. giving this guy an opportunity that he wouldn't have anyway, and he's not your loyal week to week guy. You know, the loyal week to week guy might want to take a few more weeks off, but mm -hmm. he's given more of his time to you, so you you kind of. You kind of right. owe more. Either way, I mean, if it's 3K off 1.3 million, I think we all agree that's not it. It's pretty paltry. It's pretty bad. I would compare it almost to if you're ever in a big um, pool, like Super Bowl pool or something, and someone ran it and they did a lot of work for it, the person who wins that pool and wins a lot of money usually kicks the person right. extra. Right. And, and like that's just kind of like an unsaid thing. So, again, when they had this agreement beforehand – they didn't know Matt Kuchar was going to win. He could have missed the cut, but he just says name. What? Well, well, we've we've kind of hinted. If this was Matt Kuchar, sorry. If no, I'm just this kidding. Was Matt Kuchar, we don't know if it was if this is true or not. Anyway, all right, we'll move on. It, it's a uh, it's definitely made for an interesting discussion. Another interesting discussion. Uh, our guys actually talking on the course, the Web.com tour, trying out a little experimental thing. With uh, Maverick McNeely being the, the guinea pig, so to speak, he was mic'd up for the first round of the season. Hallie, um, you know, obviously you're in the social world. From a content perspective, this is a potential goldmine. You get a guy, a player mic'd up during a round. Oh, yeah. I think it would be great. I don't know if I could ever do that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if I could. I think it would really throw me off. Right. Just knowing I would be, I think I would act differently. Sure. Um I mean, most of the golf that I played, I didn't have anybody to talk to. I wasn't talking to a caddy, so it was all inner right. inner dialogue. So that would be entertaining. Yeah, being yeah. able to channel your inner dialogue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I actually heard somebody um, yesterday on the broadcast talk about the time that he watched. Um, I believe it was Jack at Memorial, and I guess it was one of the first time they ever had players mic'd up. But what they did was they mic'd up the players, and then they ro drove behind the players in a cart and then had huge speakers on the back of the cart and would blast out whatever the players were saying to the gallery. Mm. And they were saying it was <laughs> really <laughs> interesting because yeah. he would be like Jack was over the ball, and you could hear – Jack muttering to himself, like, come on, Jack, you got this. You can stick it close. Right. Which I think would be really, really cool yeah. to hear, you know? Because yeah. you're like, oh, okay, like, even the greatest of all time muttering sure. to himself over the ball. That kind of thing would be um, would be really neat. And also, like, with Maverick McNeely, right, that's yep. going to be doing this. So he's, you know, very 
analytical and just really in depth on the golf course. So I think it'd be, whereas like that might be more interesting than maybe somebody who seems a bit more laid back and kind of like a DJ very much right. like, what's the number? Okay, here we go. But even that's interesting. No, don't totally. It would be, it would be cool to see like the, not every single player needs the number to the front and the pin right. and the, you know, and the back all right. they just want the pin. Right. You know, so it'd be cool to, to see that. Too. I think we've all been clamoring for more, you know, announcers not speaking over player caddy cover. You know, we like, we love to hear that stuff, but, but for a whole round, one guy, I, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, the PJ tour now is starting these in round interviews, but to me, they're just like the in-game interviews, you know, a coach going to halftime or whatever. It's the worst interview. Yeah, you, you get nothing from right. that. And everybody just makes fun of it, and yet they just keep doing it. This year, at least getting – now, granted, they know they're mic'd up, Hallie. So, like you said, you, you're feeling it. You're, you're conscious of it. And you when you sometimes hear these guys, like a football player, and they're going crazy, you're like, are they just putting on a show? Mm-hmm. Or Either way, it's still more entertaining than kind of the boring, you know, how are you, how are you playing right now? Mid, totally. Mid game. The the like the most entertaining moments, or some of the most the most entertaining moments of a golf broadcast are you know Bones and Phil back when they were working Definitely. together, having these you know overly complicated Epic exchange, exchanges uh, about shot selection, or or Spieth and Michael Greller talking through it, and those guys are vaguely aware that they're yeah. they're being mic'd up. They know because you know yeah. they're just on a lot, and I just think that they're both such hyper analytical guys. That they can't help themselves. Yeah. I just think that it's great. I mean, it, it, at no time have you ever watched a golf broadcast and you've said, "Gosh, I wish these guys would stop talking so much so I could listen to you know Dan Hicks more right. or whomever." Right. No offense, but like right. you, it's just it's it's just great decision making. And like you said, you get guys who are super analytical and you get a window into their thought process and all the things that they take into consideration. And occasionally, you get a window into how simple it is right. and how. How how much how little thought goes into a certain shot, which right. is entertaining in its own way. Right. Well, you know, apparently there's been you know, tour players have been a little reluctant to do this, but Mav Mav McNeely luckily you know kind of opened the door. He was excited about it. He was tweeting like, "Hey guys, check it out. You know, listen to me." After the round, he was excited about it. He shot three under, so it didn't kill his score right. or anything like that so we'll see i mean the web.com is where it's starting we'll see if it if it takes off it jumps to the pga tour speaking of great things coming to the pga tour ho sung Choi, <laughs> he is the internet viral sensation whatever you want to call him uh the fisherman swing uh he's coming to the pga tour he's coming next month to the pebble at&t pebble beach pro-am he's got a spent sponsor exemption Obviously, I'm really excited about this, Sam. Are you, are you, are I think we should build a weekly Ho Sung Choi segment I, into the podcast. I'm we pretty much talk about it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not opposed to that. Well, this is going to be awesome. I know there was the petition out there to get him into waste management, which, I mean, if the guy's going to come all the way from South Korea to the U.S., might as well, might as well make a couple stops, make a couple events. Hallie, are you excited to see him? I'm so excited. I can't believe he started golf when he was 25. 25. How yeah. old is he? 45. 20 years, guys. Yeah. Listen, if you're 25, yeah. you, there's still hope. Right. You just exactly. have to have an insane Never played. swing. Just but, make it. Yeah. yeah. And he was missing a thumb. <laughs> I mean, the guy in I didn't an, know an that. industrial accent. Yeah. No, this guy is oh the stuff God. of legend. And what's crazy is at 45, he's playing his best golf. He won the Casio World Open in November. It's not just, you know, he went viral and we, we all got excited. But he's not a joke here. He's in the top 200 in the world ranking. And uh, he's got to be one of the oldest 
people to ever make a PGA Tour debut. Oh, I'm 45? sure. 45? I mean, that's, that's pretty right. wild. So it's exciting because, you know, as much as we all got excited and watched him, not many of us have actually watched him as a tournament unfolds because he's playing in the right. middle of the night in Japan and, and Korea and, and these other places. Do so, we know who his celebrity partner would be? That's the oh, man, that's, that's, that's going to be great, so fast. I hope it's Bill Murray. Oh, my oh, God. Well, man. it probably won't be because you know, he's probably got someone locked up. But <laughs> That's too much star power. Right? <laughs> Bill Murray you and Ho-Sung Choi. A little bit, yeah, yeah you got to spread it around. I mean, all, the whole guy, all the guys oh, will be, be watching yeah, that. I mean, that. That's it. <laughs> Good I point. Mean, anyway, we're excited about Ho-Sung Choi. Uh, speaking of the PGA Tour, the Desert Classic is this week. It is um, the first PGA Tour event of the year on the contiguous U.S., and it's also nice. the first – event on PGA Tour Live, which is expanding coverage this year drastically. Uh, this week, it's only Thursday, Friday, like we're used to. But for the rest of the year, uh, for 28 tournaments, it's going to be four days. They're doubling the coverage. And the guy who is uh, probably one of the sneaky, most recognizable voices in golf, John Swantek, he is the host of PGA Tour Live. He works for PGA Tour Entertainment. He's also on the Golf Channel a lot. You've seen him. You've definitely heard him. We had a talk with him about uh, the new season and, and all the stuff he does and a crazy story from his past of him breaking one of the biggest sports stories out there. So please have a listen to our talk with John Swantek. Before we go on, let me talk for a second about Golf Digest Schools. Golf Digest Schools is our new cutting-edge video instruction platform offering more than 250 classes on every part of the game and featuring the leading teachers in golf, from Butch Harmon to David Ledbetter to Michael Breed. Unlike the quick tips you can find across the Internet, these are full game improvement programs meant to be followed step-by-step as if you were working with a pro. It's like Masterclass meets Netflix, but even better because there's the added promise of feedback. To sign up for Golf Digest Schools, go to golfdigest.com backslash access and use promo code SCHOOLS to get 30% off an annual subscription. Again, golfdigest.com backslash access and use promo code SCHOOLS. All right. I'm excited to welcome John Swantek to the Golf Digest podcast for the first time. John, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm great, Alex. I'm, I'm happy to be on with you on the uh, on the other side of the conversation. It's been always fun to have you on my podcast. <laughs> That's right. No, I've I've uh, I've been meaning to get you on here. Obviously, I appreciate when you have me on as well. It's a, it's a lot of fun. We we talk a lot of Knicks. We probably talk about as much <laughs> Knicks as golf. <laughs> Sounds more like a group but, therapy <laughs> session than anything else. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, you know, John, uh, you've you've been now with the tour for for 23 years. Um, you you wear a lot of hats over there. It seems you you know you're you're hosting shows, you're hosting coverage, this and that. I guess let's start by explaining to everyone all the many duties that you do have for PGA Tour and PGA Tour Entertainment. Uh, well, I'm excited about the Knicks. I can't be more excited <laughs> about a team that's that's only ten and thirty three. I know that sounds crazy, but I am excited <laughs> once and for all. First time in maybe a decade and a half that we are finally headed in the yeah in the right direction. Blow it so, up. Yeah, lots uh, lots happening sort of from day to day here um, for folks who watch inside the PGA Tour on Golf Channel. Uh, our long form production team 
puts that show together here in-house, and, and they have for a number of years. They do a great job of that. I voice the show. In fact, as we record today, we're doing that show later today, our third mm. episode of the season. Um, when I'm not hosting PGA Tour Live, uh, I'm hosting our international feed, which is distributed to all of our broadcast partners and clients outside of the United States. So 225 or so countries and territories take in the PGA Tour feed of all of our events from week to week. And I handle that on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, and then in addition to that, some DirecTV coverage. We've got a deal that's been in place with DirecTV to present featured group coverage and the Launchpad channel and stuff like that. Uh, so I've got my hand in that as well. So they kind of keep me hopping from from day to day alex but it's better than better than working for a living yeah sure i mean uh it, you know you add it all up you might be the most heard golf voice out there i mean you're you're oh, you're God, internet nauseating that yeah it's nauseating. crazy it's that's crazy though i mean i don't think people realize just how you know ubiquitous you are oh that's a big word i'm gonna look that up uh well you mentioned obviously uh we're starting to really crank up now uh, the PGA Tour live schedule begins this week at the Desert Classic, formerly the Bob Hope. Um, you know, I guess t talk about how excited you are this year for PGA Tour Live's coverage. It, I understand it's it's been expanded not only uh, maybe in the number of events, but the number of days. It's going to be a four-day thing for the most part this year. Yeah. How cool sounding a name is the Desert Classic, Bob. I like I it. I love how old yeah. school that is. I, mean, I know they're kind of between title sponsors with that event so uh probably a one-year run as the yeah. as the desert classic but i like the sound and the feel of it and it's a great kickoff to our pga tour live uh coverage this year um it's going to be two days of coverage this thursday and friday um but going forward for the rest of the 27 events on the schedule four days of coverage so featured groups thursday morning featured groups thursday afternoon Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Saturday and Sunday morning as well. Then we'll offer up uh, free content featured holes in the afternoons uh, over the course uh, of the weekend. Lots of enhancements, uh, close to 900 hours of programming coverage here this year, Alex. Mm. And it's nearly double what we offered last year because we've, we've stretched this thing into the weekend sure. for so many of our events. And, I mean, you can watch it pretty much everywhere. I mean, we had Apple TV and Android platforms already in place and We've got some added distribution channels this year that we're kicking out to Roku and Chromecast and Amazon Prime subscribers can watch it as well. So uh, it's everywhere. And we're sort of, you know, responding and reacting to the needs and the desires of, of the golf fan. I mean, as you know, it's it's changing the way people are consuming content. And we're trying to keep up with that and, and stay ahead of it and and give uh everybody who's watching and everyone who's subscribing exactly what they're looking for from week Th to week. That's, that's an interesting question, John, which is, you know, certainly like on our side of the business, you're always adjusting to how habits have changed and how people consume content. So I'm curious for you, like what's an example of how you've adjusted the way you, you know, broadcast an event or how you package it um, from say five years ago? Uh, personally, Sam, from my seat, you mean? Sure. Well, I think uh, it's sort of a it's a little bit of a tap dance because uh, the golfing audience for so many years uh, was rooted in the tradition of the game. And it was very much an entrenched audience that uh, plopped down on their couch on Saturday and Sunday to watch the telecast in a very traditional way. 
those people are still out there, certainly, and we're not discarding them by any means. You don't want to alienate those folks by changing your presentation too much. But at the same time, you want to cater to what you hope will be a whole new legion of fans uh, and a whole new set of eyeballs. And you have to sort of uh, serve up the content in a more unique way than you would have uh say five ten years ago and you also have to account for mobile users as mm -hmm. well because uh, it has you know the, the the scales have been shifting over the last three to five years where you know you could say on any given week and I'm, I'm not privy to these numbers but you could say that more people perhaps are watching the PGA Tour in non-traditional platforms sure. on their laptop subscriber based content like PGA Tour Live on their phones more than they are in the traditional way of just kind of plopping down and, and watching the weekend coverage. So we have to take that all into account and, and balance it all when we, when we kick out the shows. Yeah, I was going to ask you, obviously it sounds like you're not privy to the numbers, but just the general sense that you got during last year, I know PJ Tour Live has been around since 2015, but last year with Tiger being back and the appetite to watch him, particularly on that day that he's not playing in the afternoon and it's not going to be in the TV window. Did you, do you feel different during those broadcasts kind of knowing that he's the guy and that even more eyeballs are probably tuning in? Well, no question. I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, when tiger is, is in our window, we're likely to have more eyeballs <laughs> on it. I mean, that's no state secret. We've all seen the television ratings through the years and especially sure. last year during his resurgence. And I think that, it only added to, you know, the spice of, of what we already had created with the PGA Tour over the last uh, couple of years where he was slowly getting his, his game back to relevance and competitive once again. I mean, the game was in a really good place uh, with other young emerging stars, uh, all with the hopes that Tiger would uh, regain a strong sense of who he once was as a competitor, if not the greatness that he displayed for so many years, but just that he would be competitive again and mix it up with these guys. And now I think uh, what we've got is something, something really special. And I think we got more out of Tiger last year than any of us as golf fans probably expected or had dreamed that we would get. Uh, and it gives us great anticipation and excitement going forward this season. Sure. You know, a lot of people I'm st still say, why is golf kind of the only sport and I know I, you probably will say logistically uh, it has a lot to do with this, but that isn't, you know, every shot of every event is kind of covered. You know, if, if you and I watch the Knicks game, you know, on a Tuesday night, obviously we're going to see from tip to the end, we're going to see every play. Uh, I know golf is, is such a unique challenge, uh, but even with the featured groups, you know, you're still not seeing a lot of the, the guys. Is, is there any, do you see on the horizon where we will see everything kind of shown? <sighs> wow. I mean, that would be a dream, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, it's funny. If you talk to um, the people who have been in the production trucks for, for many years, uh, Tommy Roy at NBC, Lance Barrow at, at CBS, um, Mark Loomis at Fox, uh, Brant Packer at the, at the Golf Channel, and, and the great team that we have assembled here, uh, they'll tell you that it's the hardest sport to produce sure. because basketball, football, baseball, it's all contained in one competitive environment. I mean, with a golf championship, you've got 18 little games going on 
at once. It's a lot to keep track of. It's a lot to distribute live. That's why you will see more stuff on tape that has been recorded uh, in a golf broadcast than, than from a different sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, the direction this may all be headed is where it becomes more interactive week by week, year by year. So the fan essentially becomes the producer at home and decides what he or she wants to watch and how they're going to get it. You know, I was thinking about that. Like, would it be cool if there was a way to have complete autonomy where you can watch what player you want to watch or what shot you want to watch? And I was thinking, I don't know, and I'm not being sarcastic when I say this, I don't know if I'm smart enough to know what (laughs) I want to watch. Like, I think we rely more than we know on directors to say, well, let's go to this shot on 18 or this shot on 16 because – inherently it's more important than the whatever you know whatever we're watching on the 11th hole like Mm -hmm. i feel like the great luxury of golf on tv is they're they're jumping around and doing all the decision making for you because there's obviously a level of you know they have an awareness of what's going on so they can sort of track it for you uh you know i guess it would be cool if you have a certain guy that you want to watch them do every shot but there's a lot of downtime as you know right between shots what would be challenging yeah, well, I'm definitely not smart enough. If you are, <laughs> that I am definitely not, Sam. But, uh, you know, if you look at um, the presentation of the Masters, the U.S. Open, the major championships, uh, our direct TV coverage is the same way. We're taking strides in that direction, I think, with the, you know, the mosaic where you can watch, you know, for instance, Amen Corner. You can watch uh, 16 and 17. You can mm-hmm. watch a featured group at the Masters. Uh, you have a small sample on your menu as a viewer where you can sort of pick and choose uh, a la carte. Will we get to a point someday where we'll have 18 different holes to choose from? You know, maybe. I don't know when that point is going to come, but I, I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, when we do see it down the road at some point. The one thing that jumps out at me that the PGA Tour has done really well, I was embracing analytics. You know, that's a kind of a, a buzz word in recent years certainly in sports but you know just all the shots gained strokes gained stats that are available now it opens up so many windows for the for the viewer i'm curious like where were you you know would you have characterized yourself as a as a numbers guy or a stats guy before um you know this door opened well that's a good question um a, a little bit i would say not to a not to a great extent and uh Maybe this goes back to the earlier part of our conversation in trying to identify uh, what it is that fans are looking for. I mean, there's a little bit of a Moneyball audience out there, isn't there? I mean, mm-hmm. it's uh, they have very analytical instincts and senses, and they're very data-driven. They're very stat-driven, uh, and that sort of feeds into how you want to cater to these users and, and these viewers and and do so in a way that doesn't clutter up the broadcast. And that's sort of the balance that I was talking about before. There's an older audience, there's a newer audience, and uh, we've got to ha- identify how to sort of appease them both. And, uh, you know, you, you take a couple steps forward and maybe you discover something doesn't work. That's okay. You know, you got to be willing to take that chance and say, all right, that one wasn't so hot. Let's uh, Let's rethink that one. During a broadcast of a PGA Tour event, John, what what would you say is something that might, you know, surprise someone who's watching a, on their couch or in their office or whatever that, that's kind of going on on your end that maybe people don't see? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, someone talking in my ear just about <laughs> every minute of the broadcast sure, <laughs> over the sure. course of, uh, of uh, 10 hours. Um 
I think, uh, you know, the challenge uh, in a typical network broadcast is having so many balls in the air that you're that you're juggling um, with eyes on the entire golf course. I mean, have you ever been inside a production truck on site? You guys probably have at some mm-hmm. point uh, to look at the monitor wall in front of these these teams. These Emmy Award winning teams is uh, it's staggering. It's intimidating. <laughs> and you, you've got to be five steps ahead. Um, and I don't think the viewer at home necessarily appreciates that um nor do they care i mean they just want their sports served up you know on a platter for them uh i think with pga tour live it's a little less cumbersome because we've just got our eyes on a couple of groups and we can sort of lock into those groups but um i think the real challenge uh that people watching at home or, or wherever on whichever platform they're tuning in on uh wouldn't realize how much is going on during the course of a broadcast Sure. Uh, what, what part of your job, I guess, each year, or, I know it changes, um, do you look forward to most? And obviously, you're also on Golf Channel as well. You know, do you, is it is it those broadcasts? Is it the PGA Tour live ones? Or there, is there a certain event you like getting to? What do you look forward to each each season? Well, if Golf Channel needs to go deep enough down the bench, occasionally, <laughs> occasionally they will get to me as they have over the last few years. And I I've seen off, you on I, there. Uh, I've got tearaway sweats. Now, so I, mean, I can get in the game in, in, in five seconds, like Ron Baker at the end of that <laughs> garbage time. Um, I think uh, I, I love all of it, and I'm not trying to be dismissive with that answer. I mean, I feel yeah. really, really fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. I mean, all of these pieces that we're putting together here are so exciting. I think PGA Tour Live and broadcasts like that represent the future trend of where the game is going. So if I had to identify anything of all the different uh, stuff that I'm involved in, I would say PGA Tour Live because I I really like where it's going. Uh, We're really fired up to partner with NBC Sports Gold and the Golf Channel family this year. That's that's helped add to all the distribution channels that that we've we've uh, added on this year. So I think uh, there's a strong trend in the industry that uh, this is where it's all going in, in terms of what the consumers want. So it's exciting to be a part of it. It's funny you mentioned Ron Baker. You, I saw the other day uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and said that he uh, had been released from the Wizards. I thought he was still on the Knicks. <laughs> I had no idea that our boy was gone, Ron well, Baker. So yeah, he, yeah, he's still getting paid by the Knicks because uh, exactly. <laughs> For some reason, sure. said that guy's worth seven million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness, um, different story. You know, you came. You, you're a New Yorker, like Sam and myself. Uh, mm-hmm. You have been with the PGA Tour though for 23 years. Did and I and I've read that you weren't the biggest golfer when you first took that job. Obviously, you've gotten more and more into the sport. But how much was the weather a factor when you took that job? <laughs> he asks uh, on January 14th. I mean, it is freezing <laughs> this week. And do you have room on your couch is the <laughs> next part of the question. Oh, man. I played I played four times over the Christmas break. Oh, it was, man. It was beautiful. Yeah, I went nice. from a, a 15.2 to a 15.1. <laughs> four rounds, by the way. You know, um, it was uh, a time in, in our lives. You know, my wife and I had a young daughter who was just a year old at the time. And I had done some local TV in Albany and some local radio. And I did some writing for a newspaper up there. And I'd done some work for the New York State Legislature. And we were just looking for a change. We wanted something in the sports world, in the sports industry, uh, something that didn't feel like work, as I said earlier. And 
I was just a, a pretty casual golf fan, if I'm being hmm. completely honest with you. I watched the major championships and, you know, maybe a, a few other events on weekends uh, here and there. But I was mainly a fan of the of the big four sports. Um, but I thought, you know, why not? We cast a pretty wide net all over the country, all different sports organizations, uh, conferences, teams, everything. Uh, and this sort of opened up. There was an opportunity for a young associate producer and writer and and that's how i started here working on inside the senior pga tour which aired on espn wow, back in the day. wow. They were, remember that i mean it was uh geez 7 30 <laughs> sunday morning something like that <laughs> wow. uh so yeah that's how i got started and um i had done some on-camera stuff and some radio so there was i, I guess i always had that that club in my bag mm-hmm. uh but there weren't those opportunities until much deeper into my career, but uh, never did I imagine, guys, that I would be doing what I am today and how much this whole world has opened up for me. Sure. It's cool. How has your style evolved, John? I mean, you know, we always make fun of golf announcers because they have a certain cadence and a certain style, but I'm sure there's a lot um, of learning on the go that takes place when you're, when you're broadcasting golf. There is, and I think, um, you know, reacting to your partners who you're working with is... Uh, is a big part of that. Um, I have never tried to craft a style, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make sense of what I what I mean to say here. I I don't try to be any different than I am talking to you guys right now, or talking with anyone in the building during the course of the day. And I, I would hope if you if you spoke with someone else that I work with, they would say the same thing. There's there's really no difference between this guy and and that guy. I try to be really well prepared. I try to be informative. I try to keep it light. Again, that different audience that you're trying to bring in. It's not life and death. It's just sports. You know, it's just a golf tournament. Uh, I try to be understated and I try to set the table, set the stage and stay out of the way because there's guys, men and women standing next to me who are far more accomplished as competitors and have far more relevant things to say than I do. So that, I guess you would characterize as my style, but it's not one that I intentionally tried to craft in any way. uh, Before you go on air, I always wondered, do you do any voice exercises like Ron Burgundy, like unique New York, unique, ow now brown cow, anything like that? I do. I've got the scotch right in my bottom drawer of my desk here in the office, and that that gets the pipes lubed up, and uh, I'll I'll knock back a half pack of Luckies unfiltered. (laughs) <laughs> get a deep Barry White sexy kind of baritone going, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. You know, anything can happen. That's great. Um, you know, last year, I think it was one of your colleagues at PJ Tour Live, Ned McKeels. Is that his name? Ned McKeels? Uh, Ned Michaels. Ned yeah. Michaels. Man, I don't know why I said he uh, he started calling Tiger's driver the smoke wagon, <laughs> and that kind of really for me, I love that. That's kind of caught on. We we even ended up kind of doing some T-shirts with that. Um, you know, how much fun do you guys have? I guess during during a broadcast, and um, is, is it a, is it is there a different audience? Can you have more fun because it is a different audience? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think. Um you know, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, you know, as long as all the necessary information is, is being put out there, uh, then fine. I mean, go ahead and have some fun. I I think you've got to deliver these broadcasts with a smile on your face. If you're, if you're listening, that's sort of the tone and the vibe you should get from, from PGA tour live. We're going to tell you and show you everything you need to see and hear. Uh, but we're going to do it in a way that, that, uh, hopefully makes you 
smile a little bit. And, you know, if we take it too far, somebody from one of the offices upstairs will let us know. But uh, it's better sometimes to ask for forgiveness than permission, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Do you get real-time feedback from fans? I'm just wondering, like, got either on Twitter or or online, or are there, is there a comment section? I mean, do you, is there anything? Is that something that you're monitoring? Uh, that is something that the the folks who manage the sure. PGA Tour live uh, Twitter account, for instance, okay. and our, our Facebook channel, and uh, the PGA Tour Entertainment has a Facebook page and Twitter account as well. Um, but that is such a dangerous rabbit hole to go down. Right, you know? I mean, right. Uh, you guys may not have heard. Sometimes there is a negative tone on Twitter. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes there is a negative tone on Twitter, and you've, you've got to be ready for it. And I have made it a sort of a personal credo to just not even uh, get involved in that. <laughs> so I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. look for anyone saying, hey, this guy's doing a wonderful job or this guy is terrible because <laughs> there are probably both camps out there. And you know what? I'm fine with that. Yeah. So I, I just don't even engage to start with. But, yeah, there's a there's a lot of feedback. And I, I have to say it's it is largely positive. I was just kind of kidding around. But I think people do like and appreciate the fact that you know, at seven o'clock in the morning, they can watch PJ Tour live and catch the best players on the golf course mm -hmm. without having to wait until the afternoon when the television coverage comes on, as they did for so many years. If if I were to press you, John, on um, maybe a favorite on-air moment for you, and then maybe your most laughable on-air moment, could you name both? Uh, you know what? I think they both happened last year, just off the top of my head. Uh, Farmers Insurance Open, which I'll be hosting next week, uh, was Tiger's first event last year, as you guys remember. Mm -hmm. And we came out in the morning, and we were we were all pretty jacked up. I was working with um, Mark Immelman, and I think John Rollins was here, and someone was walking on the golf course. But and we had just before we went on the air, Mark and I were in the studio talking about Tiger and sort of you know putting the pieces of our open in place when we were going to go on camera and. I was so tiger consumed that when we went on camera, I introduced myself. I looked at Mark and I introduced him as Tiger Woods. <laughs> so that was like 90 seconds into my first show of the year on camera. I'm John Swantick alongside Tiger Woods. And the look on Mark's face, he thought I'd had a stroke. Like he was going to come over and, you know, administer medical attention if he needed to. Uh, so, you know, what do you do? You laugh it off. You, you make mistakes. It's a live environment. It's oftentimes great and exhilarating and other times just completely mortifying like that was. But what are you going to do? Later in that same season, I had a chance to call Brand Snedeker's 59. And I've never been on the call for a 59 before. And we were so proud and so thrilled of that moment because, again, that was, you know, late morning, maybe dipping into early afternoon, mm. long before people would have gotten a chance to see it. In fact, the sure. only place that they were able to see Snedeker's 59 was on PGA Tour Live. We were immensely proud of that fact, and uh, I was thrilled to, to call it. Well, I got to ask you, I, I looked up, uh, I saw an interview with you, and apparently you, as you mentioned, you were not into golf before golf. You're into the other sports. Uh, you were on TV doing other things. You broke the Herschel Walker trade? <laughs> what the? I, I, I couldn't believe it when I read that. you got to tell us that story. Do you remember that Herschel Walker No, trade? I don't. I I'm do. too young. Sam I remembers. definitely do, of course. It was yeah. Sam, do you remember it? Of course. Well, You're talking about Vikings doing... and the Cowboys, right? Oh, my gosh. They gave away the farm, didn't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
I was doing local radio up in Albany, WQBK, uh, AM 1300. It was so glamorous. It was, <laughs> you know, 5 a.m. start to the day. And there was a sort of a legendary uh, announcer in that market. His name is John Graney. He's since retired. But he was he was the man who first really taught me how the business worked, at least on the on the radio side. So I was in doing a sportscast one morning and some guy calls in and he's looking for Grainack. I said, well, he's not here. He said, who's this? I said, it's John Swantek. And I've got some intel for you on a big trade. I said, well, tell me, you know, tell me what it is. And he outlines this whole Herschel Walker thing. And I'm very young and very impressionable and and very excited about this information that I'm getting. I, I almost felt a little careless with it. I almost went on the air with it. I thought, wait a minute. I don't even know who this guy is, first right. of all. Uh, so he said, call call Granny and tell him so-and-so called. And I sure enough did, and he confirmed it. He said, yeah, that is absolutely 100% a verifiable <laughs> source. So I went with it. I mean, what reputation did I have to sacrifice? I was just starting in the industry. So I got to tell you, though, it was a little hairy for a few days because <laughs> it took some time for the trade to be uh, consummated, I guess, and, and finalized. But uh, yeah, broke the Herschel Walker trade so out. That's, that's amazing. Right. What were that's the ripple amazing. effects of that? Like when you yeah. reported it, what what followed that? Uh, I remember there was some buzz in the in the local market there in Albany that it had been a little reckless that I had made a mistake <laughs> and <laughs> that there was no trade that was going down. So. <laughs> Uh, those few days were a little uh, unnerving for a for a young reporter, but uh, once it all came to fruition, I I felt pretty good about and it. Did, and who was the source, or can you reveal? Like, was it was it someone who had intimate knowledge of both teams, or? Uh, it was someone who was connected to the Cowboys organization, who was a longtime friend and source of of my mentor John Graney. So yeah, it was it was verified for wow. me. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. You're you're like Woj before Woj. <laughs> Look at you. That's amazing. But John, thanks so much for for joining us today. We're we're looking forward to another big year. Obviously, uh, on PJ Tour Live, you do a great job. You do a great job with with all the stuff that you thank do. You. And uh, thank you for for taking the time here. Hashtag tank for Ta- Zion. That's right, tank for Zion. That's right. Our <laughs> Knicks. We need Zion Williamson at the Garden next year, no doubt. Uh, thanks, Alex. Thanks, uh, Sam. Appreciate it. You got Take it, John. Care, John. Take care, man. All right, thanks again to John Swantek for joining us. And, you know, PJ Tour Live really is the – if you want to watch Tiger Woods, you mm-hmm. kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, we found that out last year in the office. Right, we're clamoring to get it on the big screen right. and making sure it worked. We got it to yeah. work because we tech wizards, yeah. We may or may not be sharing one person's ass about 20 of us. <laughs> no, you have to. I mean, because, you know, that's how it works. Tiger's going to be in the afternoon one day. He's going to be in the morning the mm-hmm. other day. And that time he's in the morning, he's just not going to be on. And people are going to be tweeting about it and, and going crazy. You know what's amazing is how unbelievably spoiled we all have become as sports fans. Oh, like, yeah. You just, like, you just, if something is on, you expect to be able yeah. to see it right there. Yeah. And you expect to be able to watch the way you want it. And Definitely. So, like, they're bridging the gap yep. between what we expect in general yeah. and, like, what the reality yeah. is. Because, you know, imagine not so long ago, it was, uh, you know. No, it's funny. When I was going to college, I remember not wanting to leave the state because I didn't want to miss Knicks games. That was actually like part of my decision. I, I ended well, up doing a, it. That's a no, but now, flaw, but. but now you could do that and just get a package and see whatever you right. want, whenever you want, from wherever you want. So anyway, all Wait, right. So let's, you chose your university 
based no, on... No, no, no. I ended up I ended up saying, all right, that was one of my cons, though. Oh, okay. I was okay, like, okay, you know, okay. if I was doing a pro-con list, that okay. was like a big thing. Okay, okay. In the end, weather and other things won out, so I, I left Nate. But yeah, no, I definitely was like worried about it. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get into some awards here. Best one-day story that goes to Adam Svensson. He is a uh, tour rookie from Canada. He was the leader on day one at the Sony. Guys, a couple funny stories about him that came out. He drove a golf cart into a water hazard as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you saw that. But the one that really got me was, uh, did you see what he spent when he won his first tour event last year on the web.com tour? He won 108000 You know what his big purchase was? Bought a cordless vacuum cleaner. <laughs> from Costco <laughs> a Dyson a Dyson his quote I don't know I thought it was pretty cool cordless <laughs> I mean I, I love mean, this Costco guy I'm a Costco guy mm-hmm. and uh, when we were doing our wedding uh, what's it called registry Michelle my wife put this expensive Dyson on there it was not cordless I wish it was and I remember being like why are we getting one that expensive but you know other people are buying it for you right. I will say that thing works it's, <laughs> it's magical I, I think I'm now intrigued by the cordless what I mean, I have a I have a good story about yeah. Adam Svensson. Oh, good. At, Here at you go. Svenny baby. All on right. Instagram, All right. By the way. So Adam Svensson, I played golf at Rollins College. Adam Svensson played golf at Barry University, which is in our conference. Boom. Uh, we were the number one women's team. He was number one on the number one men's team. So he blew everybody out of the water. One, the our conference is called the um, like Sunshine State Conference. And he it was held at the um, What's the champions course at PGA National called? Champions course. Champions course. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bear trap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Champions course. Okay, so he won by oh, a mile yeah, yeah, right. conference championship and blew everyone out of the water. So turns pro after college, and a few of my friends and I go down there when it's the PGA Tour um, like finals, yep. uh, Q School, and he's in the final group. And everybody is just like freaking out. You could tell everybody's so nervous, so nervous. And and I mean, there is just Adam Spencer. It's on the same golf course, just yeah. like yardage, just hits. And we're all like, I think he thinks that he's playing in like the Sunshine State <laughs> Conference or something. Like, yeah. He is the most chill, chill. guy and yeah. just so nice, so down to earth, always a smile on his face. So I think he's going to be really successful. Awesome. And he's apparently he's very neat because he's really into vacuum I think he's, yeah. he's so <laughs> calm because he knows his floors are clean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. This weekend, pros are just like us. Pros are just like us, and I'm going with a uh, – well, Adam Svensson's kind of like us with the, the vacuum cleaner. But the new Instagram handle, Tiger Woods Doing Things, has really become all the rage. I mean, first of all, where does this guy get the content from? Or, go, or girl or lady uh, get the content from? I mean, these pictures are gold. Uh, he, he does some fake ones, some Photoshopping Tiger's head on on weird events and stuff but for the most part it's it's literally it would be like tiger woods eating an apple and the caption will just be tiger woods eating an apple <laughs> and then, i love it i can't get enough of it and there's one of tiger jumping and he'll say tiger woods levitating <laughs> the one last line of him square dancing yeah amazing. Square dancing. i don't know how they got that picture and then there was there was one uh, there's a video of him carrying a baby off the bus at like the president's cup or the Ryder cup obviously like he's a brand new father because he's he's he looks so stiff carrying the baby and he's just like (laughs) but i mean this stuff is gold so follow it if you can and i joked i did a post about it and i joked about that um you know there weren't any photos of tiger 
going coming out of a porta potty, and the next day this person put one up and and <laughs> tagged me on it. So uh, I, I'm I'm really digging that. We don't know for a fact that it's not you. It's it I I swear it's not me. I also thought it was Claire Rogers, our resident uh, social person, because uh, she's also I won't I won't give it away, but she is behind another pretty big social account. So I, I thought it might be her doing she and she shared it with me at first and got me into it. So I thought thought it was her, but it's not. That at least she says. All right, our stat of the week that you need to know. Ches Reeve made three eagles on par fours in the same round. He's the first person in recorded history to do that in the PJ Tour. That goes back to 1983. I really can't imagine anyone ever doing it. What makes it even crazier is all four were over 100-yard hole-outs. Now, he's, he's, you know, he's not a long hitter, but he's a very accurate player. He's known for being a great iron player. But guys, like, I mean, is there anything that you could even compare this to in your Hallie in your game? No. What, what's your best ball striking round? Does it does it jump to your, the top of your head or is it? Yeah. You, yeah, you yeah, have one. Yeah, it does, but I didn't. didn't well, what was it? Like, what was it? I mean, oh, um, it was the second round of second round of stroke play of the women's western amateur okay yes there you go and um i shot like my lowest round ever but you hit but the ball striking was oh my god yeah i couldn't miss a shot yeah it was just like whoop oh next to the hole next yeah. to the hole <laughs> it's insane i mean it's it's the crazy I mean, three times three, three times is crazy if you do three times in a tournament I'm like that's amazing three, three times, times in a tournament. tournament i remember uh rocco did that once mm -hmm. and um uh, it was amazing this is in one day. What right. did he say afterwards? Did he was he just like uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like one of those things, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like, and, and he ended up like... finishing T three too, so he did have okay. a good week. It wasn't wasn't like a waste of a great round, but I mean, it's just amazing. It, you even if you're the best in the world, which he's one of them, you, it's just the element of luck that has yeah, to be there well, as well is, yeah, is wild. But to that point, I would say this: the first time you do it. The guy holds out. It happens all the time on PGA Tour. A guy right. holds out for Eagle. Okay, fine. Second time it happens, um, I think that's that's luck. You know, yeah. it's just it's just dumb luck yeah. that you've hit two shots that have happened to go in the hole. But the third time you have a wedge in your hand from 100 and X yards, yeah. you're thinking, I've made two of these. I'm going to make a third one. So I almost feel like the – I don't know this for a fact because yeah. I didn't hear what he said about it. But at that point, you're thinking about the fact that I'm going to try to make this. I've made it. I'm gonna, like, And that's amazing. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you hear – you know these myths uh, about Hogan that he he stopped aiming at flag sticks because he was hitting too many. I mean, <laughs> maybe that's what Ches Reeves going to have to do. Although in this case it didn't hurt him, he, he knocked it in. But anyway, in, incredible stuff. Um, all right, let's finish up. Obviously, we mentioned the Desert Classic before, guys. Uh, any any picks uh, we want to highlight this week? Obviously, Matt Kuchar was the big pick last week. I think our fantasy guru Pat Mayo tabbed that one i saw him nice. touting himself on it it was a 40 to 1 too that's pretty amazing especially considering kuchar had just won uh in mexico but uh is there anybody we like this week at the uh the desert classic what used to be the bob hope used to be whatever else you know the guy who jumps at me to look at the odds right now the guy who jumps out at me just because he had a strong fall and he's kind of another guy who's had a resurgence is charles howell the third 25 to 1 mm. odds um and four to one to finish the top five so you know, just a guy that obviously a great ball striker as well. So I could see him making a run. Not a great field either. So he's the type of guy that is gonna gonna have a chance to sort of uh, distinguish himself. Allie, any thoughts? 
I'm liking Kucher. You know, I think he's he's won what twice in his last yeah four starts. I think that I think he's gonna continue on this on this winning winning trend. I didn't know he was playing again. He probably. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you keep playing? Um, yeah, I, I'm. I you know, John Rahm is the defending champ. I'm not gonna pick John Rahm just because I, I I like to pick guys that are a little further down the board, like Sam did there, um, and and Hal even. But I will. Oh, by the way, John Rahm is my master's pick. I'm already, I'm putting it wow. out there. Yeah, just just that's a heads up. I just want to get it out there before Wait, other people jump. Kucher's on not playing. That's my bad. All right, all right. I'm all going right. with Justin Rose. Justin Rose. <laughs> all right, there <laughs> yeah, we go. I'm going with Justin wow, Rose. Justin Rose is playing. Okay, so we'll see him try to. Uh, ten to one odds. Ten to one odds. Justin Rose. Uh, John Rahm seven to one. Wow, getting a lot of respect. Um, you know, this is a tournament where you have to really go low. Uh, we've seen Adam Hadwin shoot a 59 there before i like adam, adam hadwin um i think he's down the line at, at 30 to 1 right now and um you know we already mentioned one canadian adam svensson why not another adam hadwin so there we go adam hadwin he's gonna win it and, and john rahm is gonna win the masters let's let's lock that in right now um all right guys well anyway any any parting thoughts on any, anything you want to no mention? can i offer you some m&ms oh my I god these right. m&ms i gotta get them out of my face hallie thanks for joining thank and, you and uh, yeah, so anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again to John Swantech for joining us. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. And check back next week to see who our guest is.